if you, um, if you notice that the screen isn't quite lined up, there's a little hint as to why this is the case. Can you see the ball? Apparently what happens is that um, they, uh, um, they set it up so that they can, um, they set up the projector right and then they play basketball and ball games in here and then it gets knocked and it costs them quite a lot of money to get, a, um, to get in and get a, they have to get a sizzle list in to change it. I was, I was actually thinking I should talk to them about it because it costs them a thousand bucks every time they want to realign it. So that's why we're out of whack here. What was that? I was thinking we probably could drive it down the street. It's battery powered. I'd hate to run out halfway. Okay, um, I was thinking about this today. It was the start of November, right? And it, November was when we started stripping out stuff in the church. Is that right? Earlier than that. Yeah, so it's been a year. And it's been a... What a year it's been. Hello? Are you going to do anything for me? Um, <laughs> I mean, it's, so, you know, we were stripping the, the building and we kind of thought what was happening. And then it was COVID, COVID time, Can't Touch This by MC Hammer. Trying to help us to connect when we can't get together. And, and we're getting closer and closer to moving into a redeveloped building. So we're not a full year, but it feels like it's been longer. And every year holds surprises, but this year got more confusing than most, didn't it? Six weeks lockdown with a bonus um, for Aucklanders of an extra extension for good behaviour. <laughs> then we came out of lockdown and retails who were expecting nothing to happen were flooded with people buying things. They had, uh, they had more sales than they typically have pre-Christmas. And um, all those people who were planning to travel, well, hi, <laughs> you're here. Um, and businesses, everyone is really confused. How do you plan for next year? A number of businesses have said, don't ask us how things are until about halfway through the next year when they might know how things are. It's been a really confusing time. And, and it still is. Look, we, it, tomorrow we could have an outbreak and lockdown again. It could happen. It, we just, we're living in this time of uncertainty and we don't know. Um, we're all, we'd love to see a, 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 a vaccine come out, but we don't know about... Um, when that will happen and how effective it will be. We don't even know how long, once you've had COVID, you'll stay resistant. There's all sorts of things that are up in the air. It's a confusing time. So we're going to read a bit from a passage where the disciples are confused. We're going to be reading from John 14. If you've got a Bible handy, you could pull it up, have a look. A bit of a background here is that um, the disciples were confused because they had strong expectations. They'd been walking around with Jesus, doing what Jesus did, hanging around with him for three years, and they kind of expect, they're on their way to Jerusalem, and they kind of expect that when they get to Jerusalem, Jesus is going to go, here I am, Messiah, it's all over. Romans, off you go, I'll, I'm taking charge, and it's going to be this just world that they are hoping for. So we're getting close to the climax. And with those expectations, and remember... James and John had already picked out seats. They wanted to be on the left-hand right. By the way, have you picked out your seats in the new building yet? No? Good. <laughs> Don't rush. So they thought that they had all sorted. And Jesus did some, then Jesus starts doing some really weird stuff. He washes his followers' feet, which was a bit ooh, and they thought really weird. Weirded out Peter. He gave some bread to Judas and said that he was going to betray him, which weirded out Judas and the other disciples. And when Judas had left, Jesus would say, 
my children. I will only be with you a little longer. You will look for me, and just as I told the Jews, so I tell you now. Where I am going, you cannot come. And here comes that famous line, a new commandment I give to you, love one another. As I have loved you, so you must love one another. By this, everyone will know that you are my disciples, if you love one another. And see how it repeats? Love one another, love one another. By the way, you love one another. I think he's trying to make a point. Okay. Straight after this, Peter has heard this, you can't go where I'm going. So Peter says, hang on, I've spent the last three years following you. How come I can't follow you? Mate, I'd give my life for you. And Jesus says, yeah, you say that but you're going to disown me three times before the night's out. And so they're weirded out and confused, and for quite good reason. Yep, you can see this isn't obvious. What they're expecting is something different. Now, if I've got this right, we'll have a reading. Do not let your hearts be troubled. Oh, what? Oh, really? Oh, for goodness sakes. You know, there's a lovely video happening in the background of here, and it's not going to work. So I'm just going to sulk. Listen. My father's house has many rooms. If that were not so, would I have told you that I am going there to prepare a place for you? And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come back and take you to be with me, that you also may be where I am. You know the way to the place where I am going. Now, if it were me, I don't know how well you heard that, and I can't quite show it to you because it's on a video clip and it's not showing you video. Okay, my apologies. After three years of Jesus, I think I'd probably believe in God, following Jesus, I think I'd probably believe in God and Jesus, but I would have some questions. What's this father's house he's talking about going to? What's that about? And... You reckon I know the way to get to where you're going. That's what he said. But I'm confused about how to get there. I mean, I'd like to get there, but how? And fortunately, um, Thomas, who we like to think of as the doubter, yep, he's really the critical thinker. Thomas, if you're going to plan to do a big event, ask Thomas. He's going to work through the details of it. So Thomas, he's the critical thinker, nuts and bolts. He's very practical, so he asks a question, which you, again, will not see, but we'll hear my apologies. Thomas said to him, Lord, I don't know where you are going, so how can we know the way? Jesus answered, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. If you really know me, you will know my father as well. From now on, you do know him and have seen him. Now, when Jesus answers, I am the way, the truth, and the life, no one comes to the father except through me. He's actually riffing on an Old Testament theme. He's, um, when the Jews talked about Abraham being called, we tend to think of Genesis 12.3, but Abraham's call from God seems to be a bit unfolding. In Genesis 18, verse 17 to 19, God, on the verge of wiping out Sodom, has this conversation with himself. 
actually eavesdropping on God, thinking aloud. And then the Lord said, Shall I hide from Abraham what I'm about to do? Abraham will surely become a great and powerful nation, and all nations on earth will be blessed through him. For I have chosen him, so that he may direct his children and his household after him to keep the way of the Lord. By doing what is right and just, so that the Lord will bring about for Abraham what he had promised him. The way of the Lord, this language of being the way, is something that already exists. And by the time they've got around to writing Psalms, you get the, remember the start of um, the Psalm 1? It talks about the way of the wicked. Yep, they have this idea, and Proverbs is full of the way, the, the way that is wise. The way of the Lord, the way of the wicked. So much so that when the Dead Sea Scrolls were around, the people who wrote them, they actually called themselves the followers of the way. And we know that's actually what early Christians call themselves as well, followers of the way. I quite like the way Eugene Peterson translates this. He says, um, Jesus says, I am the road, also the truth, also the light, life. But I think mostly when we hear this phrase, we don't think of it in the context of someone saying, how am I going to get to where you're talking about? In our world, where there's lots of different ways for things, we think, well, it has to be this. Jesus' response to Thomas's question is to say, hang on, you're talking about where, I'm also the how. I'm both of them together. And in, to be fair, in church, we've typically put a lot more attention into Jesus as the truth than Jesus as the way. In fact, I read one person who said, Jesus as the way is the most frequently evaded metaphor among Christians. This is a person who'd worked as a pastor for 50 years in America. He said, the way comes first. We cannot skip the way of Jesus in our hurry to get to the truth of Jesus. The how really matters. Not if we want to get to the truth of Jesus as he is worshipped and proclaimed. The way of Jesus is how we come to understand the truth of Jesus. By living Jesus in our homes and workplaces with our friends and family. Another writer, when he wrote a book about the I Am statements, called it Jesus in the present tense, which I quite like. That means Jesus in the now, this moment. Not the Jesus who was, though he was. Or the Jesus who will be, though he will be, but right now in this moment on the way. And I suspect that first writer is right. Mostly in church we like to talk about Jesus as the truth. And maybe we should do so more. After all, this is the age where we doubt truth, don't we? Fake news? Can we, can we trust it? But you can believe something is true without it affecting how you live. No one here is willing to confess to being a flat earther. If you're a flat earther, <laughs> go on, you should have, just, just for the, no. If you're a flat earther, it does not affect how you live. It really doesn't. You still get on a plane, you go with things. It has no effect to how you live, except that you I spend a lot of time on internet forums, I imagine. <laughs> and we're... <laughs> One of the things we should look for is those beliefs that don't boil down to how we live. They're not really beliefs, they're something else. And yes, I do want to say that Jesus is truth, but I want to say actually 
let's keep paying attention to that way. How do you live? And yes, Jesus is the life, and we're all for life. The first words in Jesus, of Jesus in John's gospel are, what are you looking for? How would you answer that? Okay. In the middle, Jesus says, I am the way. At the end of John's gospel, Jesus says, follow me. They're all things about the direction that we are going. They're all in the present tense, the now. Because that's where we live. We live now. The road that we travel on, it's now and tomorrow. And I quite like Thomas's question. How do you expect us to go on this road? And Jesus says, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. Almost as if we're saying, now I'm stealing from someone else who wrote this. Come on now, you know this. You spent the last three years with me. We've been through this before, you and me. Hold on to this promise. It won't let you down. I am the way. In me, you see God. In me, you will meet and, uh, you meet and will meet God. My teachings will guide your feet. My presence will sustain your spirit. In all the twists and turns your future path may take, I am the way. You've spent three years learning how Jesus does, does things. Do things that way. If you're wondering why the sign says the way home, not just the way, it's partly because Jesus started off by talking about the Father's house, a place he was going to prepare, yes? Which a lot of us think is heaven, but actually he doesn't say heaven. It's a bit more... And, and we know the early Jews didn't believe in a heaven. Actually didn't believe in a heaven and hell. They thought salvation was much more physical and earthly than that. And as Christians know, heaven is important, but it's not the end of the world. There is a physical reality beyond that. The Father's house, there's something I think John and Jesus wants us to know. Because in this chapter, where there are 31, verse, uh, 31 verses, the word Father comes up 23 times. The point of the Father's house is presence with the Father. The quest of the Jews was to be present with God. We tend to think of rooms. I make jokes about how so-and-so is going to have a huge mansion. I'm going to be in a, an outhouse, which may well be the case. Um, but the point is, this is where God is, the Father, present with God. And yes, God is Trinity, Father, Son, Spirit, Creator, Redeemer, Sustainer. When Jesus says he's going to prepare a place... It is a place where we are at home with God. You can argue about where that is. I don't mind. Maybe a place where we're at home with ourselves. Deeply aware of the presence and love of Father God. The road, the way, is washed with the love of God. Well, thanks, Jesus. Um, I, I suspect Thomas really wanted a 10-step plan or a blueprint. But instead, Jesus' response is kind of to say, listen, I'm the way, you'll get through it. And funnily enough, that's what the early church does in Acts, with the Spirit of God playing catch-up, God doing this. And, and So 
What does it mean for Jesus to be the way for us now? How does it affect how we live now? Well, I'd hope for some of us it would wash over how we pray. I'd hope, I'd hope all of us actually, I'd hope all of us would spend some time in the Bible. But one of the things the Old Testament keeps talking about is this business of, well, here it was it say, he has shown you, O mortal, what is good. And what does the Lord require of you to act justly, to love mercy, and to walk humbly with your God? Jesus didn't come just to leave everything the same. It's not only that you feel warm and fuzzy. But if you're going to walk with God, if Jesus is going to be the way, and if you've got the song, Just a Closer Walk with Thee, going in your head, yeah, fair enough, that's quite a good song. Then how we live is going to matter. Justice and mercy matter too. So I'm going to hazard a guess. Three ways, three things that are, I think, part of the way of Jesus for us. Which if we were following Jesus, we'd find ourselves entering into. And the first one is we know that the Jesus becoming man... He, well, as Eugene puts it, Eugene Peterson puts it, the word becomes flesh and blood and moves into the neighborhood. That is, Jesus becomes like a neighbor, right next to you. Now, he came out of concern, this earth out of concern for others. That's his way. What has that got to do with us? Well, it asks us, how are we doing in our concern for others? This month, I'm hoping to do November, uh, neighbourly November. I'd like us to be thinking about our neighbours, how we are, who are the people we are alongside. So, who are you alongside? Well, you have got physical neighbours. How many people had um, Halloweeners knocking on their door last night? They were neighbours. <laughs> yep. Uh, what about people you work with? Are they neighbours? People at school. People you have fun with, you play with. It's the people alongside us. I quite like this. See this? Um, I didn't prepare this prop. Can you see the uh, chair? The na- uh, anyone know how this one works? How does it work? If you feel like you need a friend, if you're feeling lonely, you sit on the chair and other people are supposed to notice and you go and sit on the chair. I wonder if we should have one outside our new church. Because that's part of it, isn't it? This care for the other. It would be a terrible thing to sit there if nobody came to you. That's the, um, the tricky bit. We're um, ahead of Jesus in one thing. We're already flesh and blood. We already have neighbours around us. Yep. And it's going to be great to be in our new building. But you know what? Our new building will not draw alongside people. Our building won't ever listen to their stories. Our building won't be watching people's lives saying, where is God at work? It might help us in that. But it's people that do that. And yes, our building has moved into the neighborhood, but it will never become flesh and blood. That's us. In the month of November, I'd like us to be listening and thinking about how we are neighbors who we are connected to, who we are alongside. Next week, Paul Askin's going to come and talk about what the Bible has to say about different cultures and ethnicities. Because in our world, there's a lot more change and diversity of culture than there was when many of us grew up. 
or at least we're more aware of it. And that gives us a chance to reflect what the Bible has to say about it. So, step one. If Jesus is the way and we're going to live that way, who are you alongside? Can we just pause for a moment? Can you think about who is alongside you in your life? Is there someone God is calling you to pay attention to? What's your role in that? Here's a hint. It will probably be that noticing and listening happens a lot before anything else. Ask God to bring someone to mind. Okay, second one. Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. And a second way of Jesus is that he's prepared to pick up his cross and die. And we're not that fond of this idea, but if we want to follow Jesus, we must be able to deny ourselves and pick up their, our cross. The reality is if you get connected with other people, what you're going to hear amongst other things is joys and suffering and pain. And you may not be able to fix the pain. At the Justice Conference, Jay Rooker Matt Renata and Justin Duckworth told stories and in amongst the mix of it um, they told some of the there were some Maori telling the history of New Zealand and it is a history that has some pain in it and I have to say as a um, pale skinned Pākehā it's not that pleasant to hear that okay it doesn't fill you with joy because you actually become aware when I went to school I didn't hear this I studied history <laughs> I know some of these stories, but I seem to know them through a lens. If we're going to draw alongside people, then pain is part of it. There's suffering, and then, of course, we have our own suffering. So, another pause for a moment. Can you just think about, is there suffering that you're trying to avoid? Good indicators, if you have to constantly be watching something, hearing something. If you're binging on Netflix, if you're, uh, and who isn't, um, just what's the suffering you're trying to avoid? Is there a way that you could, with Jesus, pick up your cross? Last one, and this is slightly more good news. Actually, fantastic news. Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. And the third thing you can see in John is that Jesus does whatever his father is doing. It's not a solo act. Even for Jesus, it's not on his own. He does what the father says. He and his father act together, and we have the spirit of Jesus working in us and working in our world. Wherever we go, we are not alone. God is wanting to draw people to him, and we play a part in that, but it's just a part. When we read the Gospels, they read like Reader's Digest summaries because a lot of life is a slow burn and you don't want to write about you got up and I had breakfast and then I put the dishes away. After you've described that a few times, people get bored. So we cherry pick and we tell the highlights. But a lot of following Jesus is in a slow burn in regular activity. And Jesus was not alone. Third pause. And you can see it. I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. What does he want? People to come through the, to the Father. If you really know me, you'll know my Father as well. 
pause. The Father wants to draw all people. So the people around you, what are their hungers and longings? Holy Spirit, we invite you to bring some faces or people to mind. We'd love to see where you're at work. All right, that was theory. Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. He is, but I want to tell you a little story of how some hints of how things might work. And for this, I need some help. Alistair. It's a good day. We'll see we've got some bread. Alistair, would you like to tell us a little bit of a story about bread and neighbours? And I'll pick up. Oh. You could sit on this bench. Yeah, thanks. <laughs> I'll sit on the other side. Yeah, I was going to say, someone's going to sit with me. Definitely. <laughs> Yes, uh, it, it, it's a story really that involves Winston more than me, but our neighbour, um, well, for a number of years now, our son lived on one side of us. He just a rented place come up and right next to us. And then when our oldest granddaughter was pretty small, it was really convenient for Winston looking after. And so I've just continued to keep mowing the lawns. On both sides, for both neighbours. Oh, I've, got, I've got a hand mower, and, and I just do both neighbours, just have for years. And, um, and a solo mum moved in next door with two little girls under school age. And, um, and she's a pretty reserved um, young lady, and, it's, and she's been there for a little while now. And it's been just hard to, um, I must, must mow that lawn and never spoke to her, you know, for ages. And, uh, and I just wondered, she must have thought I was a council worker or something, just <laughs> doing something. But anyway, um, a couple of years back, when we got the bread, Winsome felt, I can, I can get our bread here and, uh, and, and take it and give it to her. And, uh, and, when, and that's what Winston did. And we felt really quite guilty for quite a while for taking a big bag of stuff out and people thinking, hey, that's for you, you're greedy. <laughs> and we had to get over that um, and just say, no, we know our heart and we know what it's for. And, and so that's what we did. Now, this has been two years back. And a couple of months ago, now, now we've got on talking terms with the solo mum next door, and we're on a first name basis, but never been inside, never. And uh, a couple of months ago, or a few breads ago, Winston took the bread over, which we do try to do straight after church, and uh, if not, a wee bit later on, if she's out later in the day. And, uh, and this time, she asked Winston to come in. And so Winston was away for quite a while. You know, we used to have lunch when we get home. And she didn't, she didn't turn up for quite a while. I said, oh, something's going on. And, uh, and, uh, and Winston came back and said, no, I was, I was invited in. And, uh, and she shared uh, a few personal things with Winston as well about her life and that. And the two wee girls are lovely. Actually, one's off to school now. But that, that's, that's our little story. Okay. So, um, tag me. 
Pardon? Tag me. Tag. Yep. So, <laughs> Alison told me this story, some of the story, um, three months ago, maybe. And um, unbeknownst to him, I thought, oh, that's a really good idea. So the next time we had a bunch of bread, I took bread and I gave it to my two neighbours on either side. Just happened to have the possibility to do so. But something else had been going on in my little neck of the woods, which is that, um, look, uh, more than ten years ago, I went to a... Um, a course about Christian community in which they said it's really hard to do communes. You know, they're really tricky, people parent differently. And they said a really good way of doing Christian community now is to form what they call cluster communities, which you'd basically get a couple other people who live in houses walking distance away and you try and have a meal together once a week. You just walk to the meal and they said you could always invite someone. Someone might come to that. And I thought, oh, great idea. I talked about it, and it happened to be that there was a couple in our church in Invercargill called um, Jean and Rex Corlett. And we started to do a meal together, not every week. Um, now, they've came up to, they came up to Christchurch before us, and then we came, we've ended up living walking distance away, and we've been having a meal together um, once a week. We go on and live our lives outside of that. It's not you know, a, a formal thing uh, for, um, oh, a couple of years now, I think. And I'd heard your story and I'd given the bread and, um, and so I talked to one of my neighbours who's on her own and said, look, hey, we do this meal once a week. Would you like to join us? Um, I don't know if she has any connection with Christianity at all. I suspect she doesn't. Um, and so she said yes. So we've now had her for three meals. Um, and look, I've no idea. As with your neighbour, you don't know where it's going to go but these are slow, unfolding, neighbouring, right, which I suspect is part of how God has been drawing people to Jesus. Yep. I wanted to tell you those stories. They're unfinished. I would like you to pray for your next-door neighbour and to pray for our next-door neighbour in this because we really would love that this led to an alpha or them getting to know Jesus. That would be really cool, wouldn't it? But I'd also like you to be thinking, okay, if these things take time and they do, who are the people around me that I might, might be able to do something with? Is that all right? Yeah. One of the things that Winston did right from the start was our church does this. <laughs> and where is the church, you know? And, 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 and so we're just right up front. This is, this is why we're giving you, because, you know, we care for you. And, uh, and our church cares as well. So this month, we're going to try and be thinking about how we neighbour. I'd love to hear other stories about what this is like. They don't have to be finished or working, because they're things in progress. We'll have, as I said, next week we'll have Paul Askin come and share a bit about, he's been reading the Bible and thinking about what does it mean to cross cultures? What does the Bible have to say about that? Um, we've had some talks about it. I think he's got a lot to offer. I'd love you um, uh, to come and be involved. I, I thought a good way of finishing this bit and to some extent finishing the I Am series would be uh, if we just listen to some of the words around this and uh, basically if you could join me in saying Jesus said I am the way. It's on the screen behind me so if you lean back a little bit. Oh, you can't see it, can you? Never mind. Jesus said, I am the way. Here, say that. Jesus said, okay, you got it sussed. Let not your heart be troubled. Believe in God. Believe also in me.
Jesus said, I am the way. In my Father's house there are many dwelling places. Jesus said, I am the way. I go to prepare a place for you. Jesus said, I am the way. I will come again and will take you to myself so that where I am you may be also. Jesus said, I am the way. If you know me, you will know my Father also. Jesus said, I am the way. Whoever has seen me has seen the Father. Jesus said, I am the way. The one who believes in me will also do the works that I do and in fact will do greater works than these. Jesus said, I am the way. I will do whatever you ask in my name so the Son may be glorified, sorry, so the Father may be glorified in the Son. Jesus said, I am the way. I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Jesus said, I am the way. Did we have a song to finish with? <laughs>